Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace be upon you. My name is Hashima. I'm Sharifa. And today, we bring you Sitting with Asatizas, or SWA for short, with our topic on psychology. Okay, so Alhamdulillah, today we have with us Ustazah Noraini Abdul Wahab, an Islamic psychologist with a Master's in Counseling from Monash University, currently pursuing her doctorate in Islamic Psychology at the International Islamic University of Malaysia, and managing her own company, Hijrah. Assalamualaikum Ustazah. Thank you so much once again for agreeing to do this with us. Have you been doing well? Alhamdulillah, I've been well. Thank you for asking. How are you all? We're also good, Alhamdulillah. Trying our best to pull through <laughs> school. <laughs> okay. Allah. <laughs> Let's take a quiet moment to purify our intentions in listening to this episode. Bismillah. Okay, so Alhamdulillah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us beneficial knowledge and his blessed guidance in this world and the hereafter. Allahumma <laughs> وإلهام الملائكة المقربين في عافية يرحم الرحيم اللهم احته علينا فتوح العارفين وفقهنا في الدين وعلمنا التعليم واهدنا إلى سواء السبيل آمين يا رب العالمين آمين Okay, okay so perhaps we could start with a more general question which is what does Islam actually say about psychology? Do you think there are traces of psychological teachings in Islamic scriptures? So in, in Islam, or if you were to go to an Islamic university, uh, we actually have got um, subjects. Uh, we have psychology like, as a subject, and they call it al-munafs, uh, the study of the nafs. So as you know, like there are different parts of a human self, right? So uh, Islam recognizes that psychology uh, is a study of the not not the ruh or not the body, but it's specific to the nafs lah. So a nafs is a as an entity by itself. It's your psyche lah. So that is in Islam. So in the past, uh, our doctors, so Islamic scholars, uh, you know, they are all in in the, in the, you know in the, in the early beginnings of Islam. They kind of are knowledgeable in everything. Uh, so mm. they know they have mathematics. They are scholars in maths and science and medicine and astrology and astronomy. Sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> astronomy. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so they are also doctors and they are also psychologists, lah. So it's not 
they don't differentiate it from uh, medical studies as you know they, they see it as something which is um, together with the soul and the integrated. spiritual yeah it's all integrated together mm -hmm. So and I just wanted to say that that's very interesting because I think like you mentioned earlier um, in our previous meeting, um, we never really, uh, when we go for like Islamic classes, like I've been to Islamic classes like, you know, the weekend madrasa since young and there wasn't a topic on like nafs or like psychology. So like to me, mm. when I heard about the thing psychology, like as a possible, you know, like considering which poly should I go to, and I was like, oh, psychology sounds cool. Like, it was like, sort of the first time I've heard of that term. I guess I've never really um, connected psychology with Islamic teachings when I was younger, during when I learned madrasa. So when you say that um, this was actually integrated, this was considered like an integrated concept with like Islamic scholars since like years ago, you know, that's quite refreshing, a refreshing perspective on it. Right. Actually, our our Muslim scholars were the ones who wrote medical books. So mm, the modern yeah. yeah modern medicine is actually based on encyclopedias that was written by Muslim scholars uh, back in the year two hundred after Hijrah, you know, or even earlier than that. Like, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think because like of how Singapore is, it's, I mean. Like, it's been separated since we are young. Because, I mean, secular society and all of that. So, we, we've never actually had the, like, the opportunity to learn it as, like, a whole thing. Like, Islam and psychology together, I think. I mean, that's, that's my, my experience is. So, we've never really learned it as, like, a, like, an interconnected topic. But rather, like, two separate things. Yeah, I would say. Mm. Yeah. That's actually quite sad, lah. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> because the intros, right? Uh, Imam Hanbali, so Imam yes. Hanbali in the yeah. past, right? When he he was writing or when he was teaching fake, he was actually basing it a lot on the soul and how hmm. the soul is. So for the for the betterment of the soul, uh, and not so much as those scholars who came after him lah, where they, they, they were thinking a bit more about the society and the community and things like that lah. Uh, so actually, it's, it's actually very, very related lah eh, actually. But today when we talk about Sharia, we talk about fake, right? We are thinking more about uh, the hukum, right? Yes. We're thinking about what is right and what's wrong, and then we we separate it all together from the needs of your your nafs, which is your emotion, e emotional state, and things like that. Uh, but the hell is actually all related, lah. Just wondering, what our like, cause we shared about our perspective of Islam and psychology as two different entities since young. Was it like that for you, or like did you grow up already knowing? Okay, so. I was actually, uh, okay, so I was sort of born into uh, Sufism uh, and how do I put this? Uh, because my family, uh, my father was, my father was an orphan. So he was an orphan at the age of five or six around there like, where his father passed away. So uh, he lived in his kampung where there was, uh, there was somebody, uh, there was a very alim 
men like people in the olden days you know when they come from overseas they brought their islam and their perspectives yes. with them right so yes. uh so this kampung had this uh alim who would actually go house to house to to uh, ask the boys to come out to solat subuh together so at Fajr, before Fajr, yeah, he would go from door to door, uh, waking the children up, asking them to join him for solat lah. So they call him Bai Miskin. Bai Miskin? Bai Miskin. He's a Bai. bai. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, so uh, an Indian man lah. Yeah, they call him Bai Miskin. Uh, oh. But he actually is the one who would give money to the poor people. So he, And he give regardless of your race or your religion, you know. So even when people, uh, you know, like his neighbors were not Muslims and if they, they were quarreling because uh, they, they didn't have money or something, he would just go and then he would just like, you know, provide for them. Uh, he would arrange for them to to have meals delivered and all that. So my father was one of those who who was woken up every morning <laughs> by him, you know, and then went to the mosque with him and, and prayed with him. So, uh, so I grew up with both Sufi ideologies and, and you know, a bit of Salafi or a bit of Hanaf. So I grew up in a kind of a mix, you know, like kind of rojak lah. So yeah, that was the kind of upbringing I had lah. So I went to Madrasa in the very first three, four years of my life. Madrasa also got and then I switched to secular. Ah, okay. So I was, you know, in those days, we were supposed to go to kindergarten first, right? Mm. So my father, because I started reading very early. I started reading at five. I had, I had older siblings. Lah. So at five years old, I was reading. He would buy me novels, you know, like a thousand leagues under the sea or something like that. Lah. He would buy me thick books and I would just read them. Lah. So anyway, uh, when I was five years old and people at my age were going to kindergarten, I went to Madrasa Sagov in primary one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> My kindergarten years was actually primary one and primary two. Oh yeah, fast forward. Yeah. So, so after some time, uh, so I spent quite a number of years in Asagov, uh, mm. until I was in I think primary three or primary. When I was about primary three, uh, then I switched to secular lah. Mm. What What made you switch? Uh, because it was I was living in Jurong. <laughs> And oh. yeah, and the transport was really very, very long. Like, the journey was very long. So I, we used to take the bus. Me and my sister would take the bus. And then I would always, always lose my bus pass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I would always fall asleep. And then yeah, so it was a very long journey. Yeah, so when I was in primary three, like halfway through, then my father decided, okay, like, never mind, send her to, you know, to a nearer school. Like. But I think we still have Islamic classes, like. Uh, I went mengaji with uh, a few of our satizas here lah. Mengaji There's those classes where they it was home based, mm-hmm. then they will teach uh you know they will teach fikir, siro and tauhid and everything lah like that. At home, yeah. So oh yeah, we're talking about. Do you think there are traces of psychological teachings in Islamic scriptures? So you mentioned that actually um. Technically, yes, because scholars were already practicing it and integrating it into the teachings, their teachings and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So the study of the soul is very much integrated with the hukum, uh, with the sharia. So the sharia is based on 
how safe is the environment, keeping the soul safe, like actually the soul and the, your spirituality. So spirituality and your soul um, is intertwined, interrelated. Yeah, so, okay, for example, there's this scholar in the year two, three, something, two, three, five uh, after Hijrah. So his name is um, <clears throat> Abu Zaid al-Balikhi. Uh, so he, I think today it's Russia again. Balakh is part of Russia or something. Yeah, so it's when Islam spread <laughs> all the way oh, to okay. Dela. Uh, so he was, uh, he was, at first he was a scribe for the court. Uh, and then he was promoted and all. Then he studied um, medicine. So he studied, he took up uh, medicine. And then uh, from there, he realized that you cannot heal people without getting to know them and what made them sick in the first place. So in modern psychology or in modern medicine, we, we were actually advised that, you know, to help people, we need to ask them what are they willing to give up in order to heal. <laughs> so for that, us to heal. practice? Uh, if you want to, so it, in, the, in the stages of change, right? When we talk about how much people want to change, one of the questions we will ask them is that, okay, what are you willing to change or what are you willing to give up? Lah? So if I were to, to talk to you about, if like say I were to come to you uh, as a person who is suffering from a bad marriage, right? <clears throat> so if I were to complain to you that my husband is not working and then I am the one financing his expenses and I'm fully paying for the house and everything, uh, then I mean, that's kind of like enabling him to be unemployed, right, in a way. Mm. Uh, so the question would be, what would I want to give up? What am I willing to give up? So am I willing to stop doing that so that he can go out and work? And, you know, or am I too afraid to to discomfort him in a discomfort, you know, or make him uncomfortable? Uh, so if if I'm not willing to change, myself, obviously the whole situation is not going to change. Lah. Yeah, so that is, uh, so that was what uh, the scholars in the past found out that if you want to heal, you have to change your way of life. You have to change the way you think and the way you, you lead your life, the food you eat and all that. So Abu Zaid al-Balhi, because he was a doctor, he was talking also about um, the flames, you know, uh, about the, the way uh, so they talk about bile. The body has got biles, like yeah. black bile and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and all the different yeah. biles. Uh, mm -hmm. So then he he talked about what are you willing to change so that you can you know your body can react differently. And then he found out that emotions play a part. Your external environment actually play a part in, and the way you think and the way you feel play a part in your illness. So if you have uh, if you have diabetes, for example, he would want to know why are you eating all this sugary food. So these are comfort food, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So why do you need all these additional comforts? What's so stressful about your life? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you thinking about yourself? Uh, so then he found out that okay, you have to start thinking differently, so that you can feel differently, so that you can stop eating all these things that are not good for you. You can stop self sabotaging or something like that. It's pretty much like what 
what you do when you go for like therapy, like what psychologists will do, right? In terms of yeah. like behavioral therapy mm, and things like yes. that. Yes. It's yeah. um, you know, like the changing like your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And like I would say that what we learn is that um doctors nowadays tend to follow like the biomechanic biomedical model, which is more of like um the person is seen as a a patient with um a disease and then they try to find out what other ways to help them, which is that, but then they tend to look towards like um medical practices that are like, you know, med- medication or like surgery and things like that. I'm not so well read on being a doctor. But uh yeah, that's very, very like the psychological way of healing, of providing healthcare. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So doctors today would probably um medicate or probably give you medication or uh, the treatment would follow what symptoms you have so they, they will treat your symptoms so in the olden days initially that was the way until they found out that actually it's quite psychological the root is psychological so they, they go back to that but of course not all illnesses are like that because some of it is um, hereditary and some of it is environmental and stuff like that right so, yeah. So, it depends. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, that's all for this episode. On behalf of Sitta, we would like to thank Ustazah Nur Aini for her valuable sharing and insights. We hope that you, our dear listener, have also benefited from this episode in one way or another, inshallah. Till then, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.